Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarind Learning Podcast. My name is Dr. Kirby Rosslock, and today we have a very special guest. Her name is Matina Agio. She is the inheritance muse. And today we're gonna to talk a lot about the power and emotions and the relationship of wealth and self. And so I'm really excited because Matina is with us all the way from Athens, Greece, although her practice and her work with families, individuals and clients is actually globally. So today we're gonna to delve into this complicated relationship and unpack more about the inheritor experience of what happens when we're transitioning homes and estates and precious heirlooms, jewelry to yachts, um, a, a number of things that happen when one person, a grantor is passing on to an inheritor. So welcome, Matina. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Kirby. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be part of Tamarind. I just have to ask you, how did you get to where you are today? I mean, what inspired you to become this an inheritance muse? And in your words, what does that really mean? Well, I always like to think as our life as something that is guiding us to our purpose and that all the little different parts of them, sometimes they don't really match. They sort of come together. And I think the inheritance muse started when my parents uh, uh, died in, um, in um, at some point, uh, about 60 days apart, which was rather mm -hmm. shocking for me. Uh, one of them was uh, a totally unexpected death. And suddenly I found myself uh, immersed in an inheritance journey. And this inheritance journey taught me a lot. And it also taught me that there is, a, let's just say a lack of focus on what is actually happening in inheritance journeys and what it actually touches, what it affects, because you know inheritance is a catalyst. So in my case, I inherited a historic home in Athens. Uh, I inherited a collection. Um, my mother was an avid collector of fine art and antiquities and you know different Greek-related art objects. And I had to suddenly uh, decide what is going to happen with all this. And so we ended up opening the house to the public. I curated the collection. I was like, in a way, just following the cues. And also, at some point, I realized that I'm, you know, I'm also in a grieving period. And I also realized that uh, opening the house to the public meant that I would have to also tell the public what this family is about. And then suddenly, the life, the family story, uh, uh, you know, I was overwhelmed with that aspect of sharing the family story with others and I realized that on one hand I know the family story but on the other hand I don't and I'm also part of that and suddenly I was overwhelmed I have to say not so much with grief but with gratefulness 
I was overwhelmed with gratefulness. And um, I realized that I am a custodian of what my family has given me. And I really want to transfer this value to my, to my children. And I want to really understand what, what, what is there. So I think that if we look at inheritance from the aspect of financial and from legal, they were missing a very large part of what inher inheritance is. So I would say that inheritance in my small experience is uh, separated into two categories. One is the tangibles. So we're always dealing with the tangibles, what to do with these. And then we're dealing with intangibles. And the intangibles, I would say, are much more valuable and much more interesting and much less vulnerable than the tangibles. For example, beliefs, ideas of the world, ways of doing things, you know, even trauma that is transferred, you know, you know, through families, this can also be a gem in disguise, you know, how you transfer these things. So all of this was something that I processed and um, I understood that I can help others through this. And just to put the cherry on the top, um, one night I had a dream and the goddess Estia came to me. She's the goddess of the home hearth in ancient Greek mythology. She's actually a subtle goddess because she's actually part of the, the main gods, but we don't really talk about her too much. And she said to me, uh, Martina, she was holding a chest with the, my ancestors sort of embedded around this gold chest. And she said to me, she handed me the chest and she said, Martina, you have managed to open your chest now it is time to help others open theirs. And I realized what that meant. I just understood when I woke up, I knew what that meant. And that was mainly the, the birth of the inheritance news. Oh, I just got goosebumps um, hearing that. And I have to say, sometimes our professions choose us, not that we necessarily choose what we think we're gonna do. And um, I mean, obviously you had such an impacted experience personally, right? Um, witnessing, grieving, mourning, um, and also embracing the gifts that you were, that you received. And just, I'm sure with the collectibles and the array of paintings and objects and um, pottery and everything that you must have also really felt like there was a, so many stories connected to each of those things that perhaps you didn't even know, right? That you were sort of filling in a picture um, that were stories of your parents' lives and we found this when we met with so-and-so in this part of the world or... So, I mean, that is, that is a huge component that oftentimes gets missed, I think, in the transfer, right? We think about the the court log of here's the inventory of assets, right? Um, but then I love what you're talking about, just how there's this incredible, powerful um, story, right? On the emotional side um, of these objects, these things that are coming your way that trigger probably a lot of feelings, emotions, and concerns or you know fears that maybe many inheritors just don't they don't know what to do with tell us a little bit more how you help unpack right that component of inheritance well it's a large package and it's a process it takes many years but i want to say 
Ruby, I came from a dysfunctional family, you know. Uh, my parents were, I always say, the clash of the titans. They were just very strong. And processing this is part of it because what you want is you want to create a narrative that's good for your children and good for you. And there are things that you have to curate in that story, the emotions, everything. That's, that's one part of it. The other part of it is that a lot of this inheritance is given to us without us understanding. Like we, uh, let's say, not, you know, we accept things from our parents as a given. And many of us are very unthankful inheritors, you know, uh, because inheritance is a gift. And as I said, it's not just the tangible it's the intangible too. So if we can get to that point of gratitude, which is which is a journey. I mean, I believe it's a journey because that way we can really un open that box of inheritance and it can really, really, really enrich our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. So how, oh, so your question is about how do I help people process that emotional side of inheritance? Um, I think the first thing is that we become sensitive that everything, all the unfolding events of an inheritance and of, you know, our wealth management after that is an unfolding process. And we experience that through feelings and emotions. It's not just a dry thing. Uh, Gustave Flaubert said, there is no truth, there is only perception. And so inheritance is a perception, our perception of it, our sister or brother could be perceiving it differently. So we are processing these things. And usually we are talking about these things with our lawyers or maybe our psychologists. You know, sometimes we need to process some feelings. So um, the work is to be able to understand how we are experiencing our inheritance journey, uh, how we are processing these emotions and how deep we're looking into them to understand how that all you know, unravels for us. And then how we manage to transfer value from one generation to the other. And we ourselves can block this value by not processing things in the right way. So emotional processing through the inheritance is a very important part of experiencing our wealth and what wealth is there. I like that you talk about that it's really perception and, and how it might be very different for different family members. Tell us more about how you unpack this, especially when it's it's a larger group. I mean, maybe it's not just one individual inheritor, maybe it's um, you know, dozens or there might be multiple generations who are, you know, experiencing this transition, not just one generation. How, how do you bring community? Do you bring conversation? What does that look like? So my, I work in, on individual, with individuals, uh, because I think there we can really open up and talk in a, in a very deep way. Um, so um, I think that, you know, it affects many things and given that opportunity to speak. For example, you asked about how think people perceive things. There is a, the, the, a father dies, passes away, and leaves a house to his two daughters. Okay, one of them wants to sell the house, and the other one doesn't. And they both agreed that they're going to sell the house because that was what they agreed. And then at the lawyer's office, one of the daughters declares that she doesn't actually want to sell. Through the conversation, is very clear 
she's really, really doesn't want to go ahead. And there we have a perception of a, of a, of a home, it's a, a holiday home, where these two siblings are experiencing it differently and they have different objectives concerning it. So the one of them uh, would like to, you know, release the house. And the other one is very tied in because her experience of that family life is very important to her. Her memories of the home, what she wants to give her children because the other one doesn't have children, let's say. And, you know, she wants to continue that as a second generation experience. And this is very meaningful and valuable to her. But that will not come out of that conversation because she she was not, you know, she's not given a chance to talk about it because the other sister will come upon that and say, you know, but we agreed. And then the conversation goes in a totally different direction and it might even end up. And even the woman herself, the one that wants to keep the house, may not have really, really understood why. Because once we understand why, uh, we can either help her through it in order to deal with the sale or we can help the other one through it in order to be patient so that the house is not sold immediately. So there are many ways this story can go, but the objective is that these two sisters don't end up fighting, but they end up supporting each other in this process, that they grow through it. One maybe through patience, and, uh, and of course, I have to say that when we're talking about sibling relationships, we're almost also talking about past patterns and agendas. So these are also coming into the picture, you know? So, and it, uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like sometimes in your experience, these transitions, certainly that's been my experience. It's many times these transitions of wealth or objects or whatever it is that's passing from one to the next um, can be a triggering point, right? It can surface emotions that you didn't know were sort of latent below the surface of your life. And all of a sudden, um, you know, sometimes we clench our fists and want to hold tight to keep the status quo. Um, others can't wait to break free, right? This is a, a chance to find independence, um, find release. And for others, it's you know, can send them into very dark places. I mean, I've seen families and individuals feel, um, you know, burdened by not, there's not the sense of joy. It's it's sort of like, this is all that's left is, are these last artifacts, right? Of that person, of that relationship. So I'm sure a lot of your work also is helping co-create and helping figure out, okay, what's the future? You know, um, as the inheritance muse, how are you, inspiring them to sort of grieve or go through this loss process or you know experience the joy of designing what's next well it's about i call it the taking one from the chagrins of inheritance to the joys and abundance of inheritance it's a shift you know it's a shift um it's a it, it, i think that the um at the end of the day, our goal is to transfer value, that we experience value ourselves with what is given, and that we then can give this value further, that we don't want to lose the value, we don't want to depreciate our, our, our property, we don't want to end up in court. We want to really accept this as a beautiful gift and which we open and we can use and it enriches our life, you know? And at the same time, we are custodians of this gift because 
we need to transfer that wealth to the next generation in some way, you know. That's beautiful. I love the way you sort of frame that and shared that with us. If there were a few tips or a few closing ideas or thoughts you wanted to reiterate or bring to the surface now, what is it that you think would most help the people listening or watching today? Oh, well, I want to just um, define that we, I have two sorts of clients and they have different needs. So okay. I'll just start with the, the baby boomers, let's say, who are, let's say, in their 60s and so on, because they have different needs when they come to me. They're rounding up their life. Uh, they are concerned about their legacy. They want to know what effect their life has on the life of others. Um, they're in a way, they're in, they're in a life closure, right? And there's a, there, there are a lot of emotions there. And sometimes there might even be guilt, uh, worry. There are a lot of emotions that they're thinking of uh, experiencing, um, a vision for life. And there are also existential issues that come up. And so when they are um, separating their property, these things sort of seep in. So I would say to the, to the baby boomers that um, once they understand that they are moving towards the end of life, to the end phase of life, how long that may be, and once they can grasp that and understand how they can um, interpret their life in a way, that they can narrate their life in a way that has meaning to them, then this narration then moves forward to the next generation. Okay, so um, if they're very much worried about how their children are going to take on uh, their property and their businesses and so on, we can process that so we can release it. And you know, of course, that you know uh, people transfer uh, beliefs and ideas to others, especially our children. So I would say for the baby boomers that. Um, it's very important to see their life closure as there's an art to it. There's a beauty to it. If they can take grasp of that, they can grasp that idea, then the life is not just going away, but it's a sort of like a life closure by design. And it could be one of the most meaningful and powerful uh, parts of their life if they're willing to look at, a little deeper into that. Mm. Um, and concerning the, the most of the, the people that I work with, the beneficiaries, uh, they're usually in their 40s and their 50s, and they have various things that they uh, are dealing with. Like, for example, they have often overwhelm and concern about the future of taking on certain things. Uh, they have sibling relationships and uh, close relationships they have to deal with. Uh, then they have the family. The, to process the family story in a way that is meaningful and empowering to them. Um, and also, there are their own self-needs, like, for example, how is this inheritance going to affect my life? How am I going to take this on? Do I have the freedom? Do I have the freedom to say no to the family business and do something else? Where's my freedom in this? Uh, what is my relationship with what's coming to me? Um, what is my life purpose? All of these things that are, you know, in the in the process of becoming. And and there's a there's another part which I think is quite interesting is what we call the legacy burdens. It's those burdens that are transferred from one generation to the other, and we have to sort them out because if we don't, we give them over. They're beliefs. Usually they're unconscious, 
And as some people do carry legacy burdens that were set not by their parents, even by their grandparents. So I would say that one of the most important things to all the, these people is to, while the inheritance process is happening, to start touching base with your feelings and ask yourself with the process, how do I feel about this? What is this triggering? What is this bringing up? Where am I blocked? And if you start asking the questions, you know, in a curious manner, not having the answers, then you start, then it becomes a growth process. And so you end up with the property, of course, and the whatever wealth that you're receiving, but you also end up with a wealth of knowledge about yourself and about how you want to move forward in life. That's so powerful. And I'm so appreciative that you brought us back to how different the tips look for if you're that um, bequester or the grantor settler, whatever you want to call them, passing on yeah. and how that process can start, that narrative process can start well before, right? The transfer happens and how getting their story um, fine-tuned will really help shape the narration to the receiving parties and down the road to help continue that that what you also shared as legacy burden when it's not right <laughs> it's not neatly contained or it's conflicted or it has um, lots of loaded or explosive aspects to it um, and I love on the other side what you were talking about with inheritors receiving and how <clears throat> important it is to process, right? To really be keenly aware and open to how certain conversations, certain subjects, certain people, certain things, right? All can contribute to the mishigas, right? The emotional um, experience that you have as you're going through this process, but also giving permission that it's okay. Um, and that you need to work through this, just like grieving the loss of a loved one, that oftentimes, you know, the, the gift in receiving might come with lots of other feelings, um, positive, negative, and then it's really the work is, what are you gonna do with this? Like, where do you go from here? And what really inspires exactly. you to, you know, either clean up the legacy burden, right, and clean up, the the prior story so you're passing on if you're going to continue to pass on wealth or other types of inheritance i know in my family we have a shared family property and it goes back many 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 decades but it's a constant process to continue to refine right and to continue to get better about how we work together how we manage how we celebrate how we honor and it's very important to recognize that even though that transfer happens once, or maybe it also really doesn't happen just once, it happens in over a long period of time. Over and over. Over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over. So it's the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think the better that, that the process happens passing the baton, um, it's like a relay race. A family can get better about wealth transfer if that's going to be a perpetual legacy, right? Where they might be passing on more than just assets or uh, one generation to the next. Um, Matina, is, what else did we miss? Is there anything else that you think we should cover before we close today? Um, I think it's such a large subject. We, we must do it again. But 
I want to just leave the audience with a feeling of wealth and to start understanding the nuances of wealth because we're very focused on the numbers and the, you know, the assets. But, you know, since we were born, we have been, we are being given all the time, not only through our families, through our culture, through, let's say, the ideals of our culture, and through all the inventions of thousands of people before us, we are great receivers. Just the chair that we're sitting on has been invented by somebody. We never know, we don't know, we don't know who that is, and it's evolved, the chair has evolved. But in the end, we are receivers, we are experiencing that abundance. And when we look at our families, of course we can be very critical, and we sometimes receive trauma, there's dysfunction, there's all sorts of things, but it's not only what we receive, but what we understand of what we receive and what we are gonna do with it. So the ball is definitely in our court. And I would say that we are uh, very rich. And if we keep thinking of that idea, then we will discover the wealth, even in the crevices of what we receive. Uh, beautifully stated. Thank you, Matina. Thank you so much for being here today on the Tamron Learning Podcast. It's been a real treat to speak with you and to be inspired by you, the Inheritance Muse. So thanks again. Thank you, Kirby. And I'm also very inspired by Tamarin work. It's an amazing work you're doing. Oh, we appreciate it.